0: You are listening to Tell It From Calvary, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, New York City, where we preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. The following sermon is by Dr. Ed Stetzer, author, missiologist, and interim teaching pastor at Calvary. For upcoming events and services, visit our website at cbcnyc.org. And now, Here is today's message.
1: Hi everybody, Ed Stetzer here, and happy to be able to be with you again at Calvary Baptist Church, trying some different technology. So I've got my little uh, studio in my basement here, that uh, we're all sort of doing different things during this coronavirus time. But let me, let me uh, see if we can walk through um, the beginning of this passage and we're going to walk through this series together for the next uh, on and off six weeks. We're going to look at the book of Philippians and you may wonder why Philippians and I had suggested this to uh, your church leadership because I think Philippians is a great picture of the gospel journey, a journey, uh, really a joyous journey in gospel community that I want us to talk about today and the next several weeks. Chapter one of the book of Philippians is particularly focused on that partnership, and I thought it'd be a great time to start that here and look through, you know, some of the things we're going to learn together from this passage, and we'll kind of zero in on them as we walk through this passage, because we're going to start here by talking a little bit about a city, a city called uh, Philippi. And let's take a look at the uh, the passage here. If you have your Bible, take it out and you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, excuse me, Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2 and look through those together. Now, I'm going to give more details over the next several weeks, but Philippians is, is of course, written while Paul's imprisoned, and he's um, really talking about this church that he planted in Acts chapter 16 with some really fascinating circumstances that we'll begin to touch on today. And what we're going to look at specifically is the question of how ultimately for us this joyous journey in gospel community impacts um, the church today. Calvary Baptist Church is on a joyous journey in gospel community. Now, wow, who would have guessed some of the things that have kind of rolled out in 2020 already taking such a, a risk to um, to move away from a, a building of of decades to to uh, step into a bit of a time of sojourn right and and more and then uh, to find that coronavirus would then hit and then and then uh, economic downturn and then racial injustice and struggle from there all these things happening yet. God is still on the throne, and God still has a plan. And Calvary Baptist Church is on a joyous journey in gospel community, which is what I want to look at today. Now, again, what we're going to see here is a few things, right? We're going to see this grace partnership in the Book of Philippians, right? It's the joyful team of kingdom collaborators. We'll look at them. We're going to look at the uh, the outrageous joy that they had. We'll get to the ideas of joy in the coming weeks and how we partner around the grace of the gospel. But all this starts with to a church written to a place called Philippi. And that place called Philippi actually has significance, even before we get to the text itself. That's what I want us to look at is some of that significance of Philippi and the context that it speaks to and why it matters for us to know about the location uh, at Philippi. Because Philippi is this, uh, it's actually a Roman colony city and that means it has special rights and special privileges that are here. And uh, it actually becomes, there's a whole, and I'll touch on this in the coming weeks, there's a whole significant background. But they would be citizens who could freely own the land. They, they could transfer the land without tax. Um, they're Roman citizens in the borders. Their citizenship in the borders was very important. The city had significance related to citizenship that's hard to overstate. Uh, they, they actually be free from things like scourging and crucifixion, all uh, normally could be done without trial. And so why does that matter? Because the location of this city, this great city, this historic city, uh, would come into play, and the citizenship of the city would come into play as well. Uh, for example, when you look at Philippians 3.20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Now, why say such a thing? Well, you're in a great city. The world might think that your citizenship in Philippi is the greatest thing. But the reminder here is our citizenship is in heaven. Philippi is just a picture. It's a great city, but it's just a picture of the city to come. We await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, you know, I'm telling New Yorkers there's a better, better city to come, uh, but there is, and our citizenship is beyond the earthly. Citizenship. It's beyond a city reality. It's ultimately a citizenship in heaven. Now, there's a whole backstory that's going on here that might be important for us to know in the coming weeks, because this story of Philippi is actually told in the book of Acts, right? So in Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas actually split, have a disagreement, Christians do that sometimes, and over someone named John Mark. And then uh, Paul picks up Timothy here in, uh, in Acts 16. Acts 16, we won't have too much time to go through all of that, but he picks up Timothy in Acts 16. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit forbids them to go into Asia, uh, to Bithynia. There's a whole story that goes there. The Holy Spirit gives them a vision, gives Paul a vision. A man from Macedonia is saying, come over here and help us. In Acts 16, verse 10, there's a significant shift in uh, the book of Acts because the, the, Luke is not just now telling the story, but he's a participant in the story. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, Luke begins to speak of himself as part of the group. When we had seen, the, when Paul had seen the vision, this is Acts 16, 10. We sought to go into Macedonia. That's the first time the "we" is actually mentioned. We sought to go into Macedonia. Luke joins the group, and Paul, in verses 10 through 12, goes to the nearest city in closest city in Macedonia, and that city is named Philippi. And then later, Paul would write a letter from prison to the Christians at a church called a place called Philippi. So what's going on? Now, this isn't the whole story, but this is not your uh, typical church plant, right? So verse 10, it says that he's setting sail from Troas, and it begins to give some of the details to verse 12. It says, and from there to Philippi, and this is the details, right, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. Remember, that's important, and he remained there for several days. So, So Paul goes to this place called Philippi, and he begins to plant a church, not just him. Remember, Luke's with him, Timothy's with him. There's a group here, Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, uh, and others as well. And it's interesting, uh, there's actually some speculation that Luke may have actually pastored the church after Paul left because the wheeze of Acts, you know, where Luke was right, we did this and we did that, actually ends soon thereafter. So Philippi is this important city, but our citizenship's in heaven, right? So then there's this church that's planted by this traveling church planter. So my background is a church planter. I planted my first church in the inner city of Buffalo, New York. Don and I did among the urban poor. I planted churches in New York and Pennsylvania and Georgia and Tennessee. And so I love church planting. That's been my my heart and my passion. So Paul was, there's different kinds of church planters. Some planted church and stay. Paul, that apostolic role would come and he started church and he moved on from there. So Paul then writes, the Apostle Paul writes to the church he planted to continue to encourage them, writing several years after he planted the church, probably writing from a jail cell uh, in the 60s, 60s AD. But what I want you to see and not miss is that there are actually uh, four roles here, uh, one community of grace. So we're going to look at four roles and one community of grace. And the roles, because I want to talk about this throughout... Uh, Because this church is a motley crew, a motley team of bondservants, saints, overseers, and deacons on a joyous journey in gospel community. I want you to remember that phrase, right? A church, here is a motley team, bondservants, saints, overseers, and deacons on a a joyous journey of gospel community. 2,000 years later, Calvary Baptist Church is a church, it's a motley team, bondservants, saints, overseers, and deacons on a joyous journey in gospel community. Community. So, so again, writing this letter to the church, Paul then begins to uh, write the details that we're going to talk about today. So let's let's begin to take a look at Philippians. Uh, back to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter one, verses one and two. I know we're just jumping in, but we're going to get some background here. It says, "Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi." Uh, with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we begin with the background of Philippi. We've got some context that's there. We look at Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2. And that's what we're going to talk about. Because I think the, the the idea here that can hopefully encourage Calvary Baptist Church right now is that we're too, a like, motley team, right, on a joyous journey in gospel community. When I was a kid, I used to watch uh, the Peanuts, not watch, used to read the Peanuts cartoon. And if you remember, Lucy uh, demanded once that her brother, Linus, change the TV channels and threatened her, him with a fist. If he didn't, comes up and you know, curls up that fist. And, 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 and he says, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over, Linus asks. And these five fingers, Lucy says, individually, they are nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. What channel do you want, Linus sighed, Turned away, he looked at his fingers and said, why can't you guys get organized like that? Well, here we find ourselves, right, as a church, Calvary Baptist Church, needing to be in this joyous journey of gospel community together, and in doing so, seeing God at work in what can be and will be powerful ways. So four things I want to look for, and we'll go through these relatively quickly, uh, is the first, number one, it's a community of bond servants. A community of bond servants. Again, remember the four things I'm talking about. Uh, uh, It's a motley team of bond servants, saints, overseers, and deacons on a joyous journey of gospel community. So interestingly, Paul is actually in prison at this time, and he calls himself a bond servant. Some translations say slave, some say servant. It's kind of somewhere between the two. The English words don't do us particularly full justice here. But don't miss this for just a second. So Paul is writing this letter that's filled with references to joy while he's in prison writing to a church that's far away from where he is. That's an important distinction not to miss. It's actually a very personal letter from Paul to a church that he clearly loves. And the word here of bondservant is doulos, And the idea here is uh, the state of being controlled by someone, subservient to. um, And so that's the first thing we see. Paul and Timothy, servants or bondservants of Christ Jesus. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Paul is not saying that just he and Timothy, remember it's written by both of them, he's not saying that he and Timothy are the only ones who are bondservants, right? Because they're bondservants, writing to bondservants and saints. We're going to look at both of those words. They're writing to bondservants and saints and we see we get a picture of the fact that they are both in these passages because kind of throughout the bible christians lead christian leaders uh, refer to themselves in this way and i think it's appropriate for us to refer to ourselves in this way we are bondservants of the lord we are under his control and his powerful direction so paul was important. He was an apo- an apostle, right? Uh, but he would say he was subservient, controlled by, um, and Roman law actually equates it to property. He belonged to the Lord. Listen to what it says. Paul and Timothy, servants in the ESV, the Bible we use, maybe a little stronger bond servants of Christ Jesus. So it may be, keeping in mind the context, right? Context is going to be king. It may be important to note that, um, that the city they were in is a city there. Well, it was a free city. It was a city where their citizenship mattered so much. So Paul's reminding, hey, I'm a bondservant. And what we see in other places, well, let, let's take a look. Like in James 1.1, James says he's a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude Jude is spoken of as a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. So the Bible says repeatedly that we are not our own. We were bought with a price. We are. Well, let's take a look at that passage. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verses 19 and 20 says this, you are not your own. You who were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So there's a reminder here that this motley team, bond servants, saints, overseers and deacons, is a reminder both that Paul and Timothy, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, but also We, now we, why? Because we have been delivered, the Bible tells us, we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. So now we're under a new kingship. We're under the kingship of King Jesus. And because we're under the kingship of King Jesus, we are his subject, his servant, his bondservant, a slave of Christ. You see, God's ownership matters. Paul and Timothy assert their god's ownership on themselves the lordship of christ on their lives and remind us in using that term early on that the same is true for us so the moment we're living in doesn't change the fact that we belong to the Lord. he's not done with us he's not through with us and we see in first corinthians 7 it says this for he who was called in the lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the lord likewise he was free when he was called as a bondservant of christ You were bought with a price, do not become bondservants of men. So the reminder here is is that we as bondservants, as servants, slaves, owned by God, by his goodness and grace, he will care for us and love us through this. And so your church and you individually are in God's hands. He is not surprised by the moment we're in. He's not surprised by the crisis where we find ourselves. He is not shocked by any of those things. We have given up our rights to King Jesus. Maybe some of the rights to our comfort. Maybe some of the rights to things being exactly the way we wanted them to be. We're not the CEO. Jesus is. We're servants now of Jesus. And when we get that, we find such great joy. Because we know that the only person you want to be a bond servant to is King Jesus, because he is righteous and holy and just. I don't want to be a bondservant. I don't want to be enslaved to any human. I don't want to be at that level of obligation or debt or whatever it may be to anybody except the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who loves me and wants the best for me. Now don't miss that, right? Um, when a person who owns you loves you more than any other, he has the best possible plan for you. When it's the God of all the universe, holy, perfect, and righteous, you are going to be okay. So the reality, it starts with this very strong language, Paul and Timothy's servants of Jesus Christ, but that language is used lots of other places, so we know it refers to Christians as well. But the second thing we can see is that ultimately, oh, I probably for the rest of it. you were bought with a price, right? Uh, let's just look at number two, right? A church that is um, of unlikely saints. Now, I grew up as uh, as a as a kid in the kind of the Irish Catholic uh, community in uh, First and Floral Park. Uh, and, and at a Long Island and then out in Levittown and very you know Irish Catholic kind of household and the saints as we understood them were people who did great and amazing things that were specially set aside and later as I began to read the Bible I, more I found out well gosh no it actually refers to saints in lots of different ways let's look at the second part of this verse it says this in verse one to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. So who's that? Everybody who's a follower of Jesus at Philippi is called a saint. I know what you're thinking. I'm no saint. Well, let me tell you, I know a lot of people probably would agree that Ed's no saint. And I know you probably got people in your life who would say you're no saint. But a saint is a holy one, someone who is set apart. And as followers of Jesus, we are set apart. And for us, that means that we have been made saints. So you'll actually sometimes hear a pastor come in and say, Welcome, saints. And someone who's maybe new to church might say, Well, that doesn't relate to me. I just think of Saint Paul. I'm reading from St. Paul here or St. Timothy. And they were saints, but so are you. Now, I don't think you should go around like identifying yourself that way. I don't say I'm Saint Ed. But ultimately, saints here is not because of how holy I am, but because how holy Jesus is. And he's made me a citizen of his kingdom. And as a citizen of his kingdom, I am now set apart and a saint. So if you're a follower of Jesus, and Calvary Baptist Church is your home or not your home, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a saint. And the word for holy in Greek is related to the word sanctification, which means, means you're set apart for a special purpose. So the followers of Jesus, what makes up a church is actually not a building, it's a motley team bond service saints, bond servants, saints, overseers, and deacons on a joyous journey in gospel community. So the saints that are Calvary Baptist Church. Now that's how literally Paul would say it, right? So he, he says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. And I would say, to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus at Calvary Baptist Church in New York City, to you, to you, we're going to live into that calling. We're bondservants like Paul and Timothy, but we're saints as well. And the promise of that is so clear. It says this in Romans 8, 14 and 15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So don't miss this, right? So we made saints in Christ, adopted, call that Abba, Father, that personal name, that Abba, Father, because we have been made sons and daughters. Adopted, the Bible says, as sons, which in that day would be a particular category as one who inherits. So as men and women were adopted in that special sonship category, as those who are uh, who inherit and become and are made new in Christ and are made saints. Now, don't miss. Remember, here we're kind of flipping back and forth a little bit to Acts sixteen, because there's something going on in Acts that was worthy of our attention. Because the church at Philippi grows, right? And we're not saying, I'm not saying that the only people at the beginning of the church of Philippi were the three mentioned, but there are some people mentioned in Philippi in Acts chapter 16 that kind of speak to the kind of motley team of saints that they were, and maybe 2,000 years later we are. For example, if you look in your Bible, probably if your Bible's like my Bible, it actually has some headers. And the first section says the conversion of Lydia. Now, Lydia is a seller of purple dyes, uh, like ink, and it was kind of made in this area, and she becomes a merchant, and so she's a successful businesswoman, right? And she gets the joy of self-sacrifice through her wealth, and so that's in verses 11 and following. We don't have time to go through all that, but then soon after, in verse 16, there's actually, it says, as we were going to the place, that's Luke writing, the place of prayer we met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And so she, a demon-possessed slave girl. So we've got a rich businesswoman, a demon-possessed slave girl right now. Now, we don't know all the details, but if she too becomes a follower of Jesus, I mean, Paul commands the demon, the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Uh, And and then following that in verse 25, we have a jailer who who was actually about to take his own life because uh, Paul... There's time well, to unpack all the story, uh, but because the, Paul has been freed from his bonds by an earthquake and the jailer, you don't want to be the jailer who lets someone escape in those days. That's penalty of death. So He's about to end his own life. And, and Paul says, no, no, don't do that. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so, and, and he does. So we've got this, if we assume the slave girl becomes a believer, we've got this um, fascinating group of saints. If there's ever a motley team it's a motley team here bond servants, saints overseers and deacons and on this joyous journey of gospel community a rich businesswoman a demon possessed formerly demon possessed slave girl and a suicidal jailer and I don't know enough about Calvary Baptist Church and I hope to get to know more as we go on these few weeks together. But let me just say I'm guessing. If you're anything like the churches that I've served, if you're anything like Moody Church, the church I just finished serving for almost four years, you're a motley team, right? There are people who have different stages in life, they're different parts of the journey, and yet we have something in common. We're made new in Christ. We're on a gospel journey together. So that's number two on our outline. Number three on our outline. I keep not getting to the end of the passage. You've probably noticed that. Forgive me. I'm still working on this system. We've got we to work this a little bit more. Over the next several weeks, uh, maybe you can put up suggestions on Facebook. I'll read the Facebook comments so I can figure out how to make this the best visual that can be. This is attempt number two. Uh, last time, your digital team did a great job, but they had to edit out some things, so I'm trying to do a little better this time. Uh, let's take a look at number uh, number three on our outline here. Is that A team of overseers because Paul does mention not just the saints, but he mentions, let's go back to Philippians 2 here, but he mentions here uh, the overseers and deacons. This is a real important time right now at your church, and overseers and deacons, elders, the words used interchangeably in First Peter, elder, bishop, overseer, often used interchangeably in the scripture. Um, and again, the church is a motley team, bondservants, saints, overseers and deacons, on a joyous journey in gospel community. So Paul actually says that everyone in the church at Philippi is a saint. We're going by implication. We're inferring that they're a servant. But then he points out two groups, if you will, two um, offices in the church, um, uh, pastor elders and deacons. And it's a unique role, right? So, Because every, everyone is a saint and everyone is a bondservant. Not everyone is an elder or an overseer. And we actually see this role in other places too. For example, uh, it says, this is why, this is from Titus 1.5, this is why I left you in Crete so you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So, so elders are in place to lead the church in this time of, well, in all the time, but a time of transition. So it's important to note that though Calvary Baptist Church is, is pastorless, well, that's not, I mean, it's, it's senior pastorless, um, there's, you have a great team. I have got to know some of your staff. Though it's senior pastorless, it's not leaderless because the biblical description speaks of these elders, sometimes as presbyters, sometimes as overseers, sometimes as bishops, but they're describing this role that's evident here, right? And so this role in Titus 1.5 is key for us to understand during this time. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. We Uh, in the next coming weeks, because the key roles of elders and deacons during this time will become more and more evident. And the fourth thing that we actually see is a team with deacons. Now remember that a church is a motley team, bondservants, saints, overseers, deacons, uh, on a joyous journey of gospel community. And it is a joyous journey of gospel community, and deacons are part of that as well. Deacons Minister during the to the to the physical needs to the to the challenges day by day meeting the needs of the hurting or maybe those without we see they're not called deacons here most Bible scholars think Acts six when they were working on the distribution of the food to the Hellenistic and the Hebraic widows were actually deacons who were functioning in that role now let me close with this because we've kind of gone through and and we'll walk through some of these things. Um, together the next several weeks. This is very introductory. But I got to tell you Philippians is such a great book for a journey that you're in right now because it reminds us that we're all in this together, right? It's a motley team. Bond servants all of us, saints all of us, overseers and deacons serving all of us together on a joyous journey. Philippians is a book about joy and it's about gospel community and putting others first. All these things are going to be so essential to what we do in the next few weeks and months. As Calvary Baptist Church, so we're going to talk about these four roles, this one mission walking together in this gospel journey, and the end result is we'll see ultimately what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this gospel partnership. The reason I'm a believer today is because um in Westbury, which is out on Long Island, there was a you wouldn't know this person, but his name was Ken Lyle, and God called him to plant a church there. And in the late 70s, my sister rode a bus. Someone came by and knocked on the door and wrote a she said my dad said, sure, you can go to church. She rode a bus. I didn't go. I didn't come to Christ till later. But my sister heard the gospel. She would later go on to be the be with the Lord at a young age. But impact my mother, who later became a Christian. It impacted me, who later became a Christian. And that church was a motley crew. And God used that church. And I, my mother would tell me the connection that's ultimately there. Well, here's the deal. Um, 2,000 years ago, a motley crew of a a rich businesswoman, a former demon-possessed slave girl, and a a, a suicidal jailer uh, may have begun in partnership with Paul, Timothy, Luke, and others coming in what becomes the church at Philippi. And 2,000 years later, here we find ourselves as Calvary Baptist Church trusting the Lord in the midst of global crises, in the midst of great transition, but doing so because the Lord is at work. He had a plan. Just like I had a plan when Ken Lyle came to plant a church on Long Island that ultimately I became a follower of Jesus. You've come to Christ if you're a follower of Jesus. You've been born again. You've been placed into this church. So as there's a lot of things pulling apart right now, for the next few weeks and months, Calvary Baptist Church will pull together. I'll encourage you through the book of Philippians on this joyful, wonderful, joyous journey of gospel partnership and this motley team ultimately of bondservants, saints, overseers, and deacons we can do what the writer of Hebrews says, provoke one another to love and good deeds and to trust him to be at work. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the picture that we see here of this beautiful gospel reality, the church put forth in Philippi. I pray that you might open our hearts these next several weeks that we might learn. We might apply what you have for us from the book of Philippians and ultimately this motley team of bond servants and, saints and overseers and deacons might indeed be on this joyous journey of gospel partnership in jesus name amen and amen
0: thank you for listening to tell it from calvary for more information to connect make a prayer request or make a contribution go to our website at www.cbcnyc.org or call us at 212-975-0170 We hope you'll join us next time as we continue to tell it from Calvary.